You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Stacy Rost here with Jake Heaps, holding it down. Let's go. You know, I feel like working and staying late like this, I have the worst possible dinners. I want you to know. I know this isn't related at all. It's just coming to my brain, and I feel like sometimes I just, uh, you know, say words, and they yeah. happen, and here's what we're talking about it's, now. Okay, we're talking about dinner. And right I'm... now I'm telling you guys that I had uh, for dinner Cheerios and barbecue chips. That's not... solid. I mean, that's... You're there was a, hit, you're there hitting, was a look of judgment hit, on your face. You're hitting all your food groups there. Am I? I'm hitting just one. <laughs> I mean, we talked about you the food pyramid. I'm getting that. the two servings of bread Cheerio- in my mind. Cheerios and barbecue chips. Cheerios are good for your heart, and barbecue chips are good for your soul. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm not mad at it. All right. Let's... That actually kind of sounds good. Right? I'm, I'm just, I feel like free agency in general, you get into this time of the year, you get into the draft, free agency, um, the draft especially, just because those are long days, yeah. and all of a sudden you're eating like a college kid. Yeah, I you just, don't know what happens. And now that you say this, I just realized that I haven't eaten dinner yet. Yeah. Like, how did See, I go through I, this day? Like, right? what's going on? What's happening? You're right. All right. Well, let's get into some Seahawks moves. Let's I didn't it. have a transition. Let's for that. do it. We're just jumping into it. Uh, so we are now entering the second week of free agent. Well, exiting the second week of free agency. Uh, the Seahawks made some waves with a couple big re-signings. But let's recap everything. Okay, let's do let's it. Let's visit this. It's a State of the Union. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, this is courtesy Brady Henderson. Thank you, Brady. Um, who Shout provided out to Brady. This. Shout out to Brady Henderson uh, for letting me read off this tweet. Uh, okay, so to recap, uh, here's some of what I'm calling the bad for Seattle. Uh, they lost Earl Thomas to Baltimore. Justin Coleman, that was that was a big one. One of the mm-hmm. early ones to Detroit. J.R. Sweezy to Arizona. Yep. Running back Mike Davis to Chicago. Uh, defensive tackle Shamar Steffen to Minnesota. Brett Hundley. I know you were fired Ouch. up about that one. We'll get to it later. Just, just hold hold back comments for right now. Uh, also signed with Arizona, joining Sweezy there. Maurice Alexander recently signed with the Bills. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get to the good for Seattle. I think the story for them hasn't necessarily been the big names th- that they've signed. They right. have a few guys, right? They actually spent, they got a kicker and they spent money on a kicker. What? What? What's happening? Jason Myers with the Jets last year was originally with the Seahawks as a street free agent uh, when they brought in Sebastian Janikowski. Janikowski obviously won out through camp, let Myers walk, and he ended up going to the Pro Bowl uh, with the Jets. Rough stuff. Tough stuff. a little stuff. bit of regret. Tough stuff. Uh, Mike Iupati, formerly with uh, the Arizona Cardinals, kind of swapping a little bit. Those guards, he'll come in, uh, presumably play at Sweezy's spot. So those are the two, I guess, notable additions. Mm-hmm. Most of the big moves for Seattle have been re-signings. So they re-signed linebacker K.J. Wright, who I, you and I included, yep. Fired did not up. anticipate him coming back. No, I was, I was very ready to, you know be sad and depressed that KJ is no longer on the Seahawks. It it just, you know, it's just kind of that time, you know, things had, you know, grown in terms of money and age and Mm -hmm. injury and all that. And, you know, saying goodbye to a really, really good football player. Can I just say this? I just realized this today. It it doesn't make sense now that I'm having you guess because you can guess where it's going. But guess Mm -hmm. who is older, Rob Gronkowski or KJ Wright? 
Uh, Gronk is, isn't he? Yeah. 30 and KJ's 29. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 it was funny because I remember Salk and I uh, were getting in this debate and it was like- About well, Gronk? Ken, about, no, 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 about KJ Wright and Kendricks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking about, oh, well, K, you know, Kendricks is, you know, so much younger and, you know, this and that. He's not. And he's a year younger. We looked younger. it up and he's only a year younger. Yeah. You know, it's like, why is KJ- Seem like he's just this old guy, you know. It's I don't know. 30. Part of it's his demeanor. Like he's he's just a very relaxed sound. You know, like he's yeah. well, and maybe too. It's there's so much turnover on this team that mm-hmm. you know you no longer have. There are so few '80s babies. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, let's get into some of the other re-signings. DJ Fluker was another big one. Mm-hmm. Michael Kendricks. We talked about that earlier in the last hour, um, breaking down the recent news with him. Uh, and then they kept a couple of restricted free agents, tendered them, uh, re-signed Akeem King, and then tendered uh, George Fant. That was another really smart move for them. He mm-hmm. managed to play that, uh, basically give you an extra tackle, right. essentially. Quentin Jefferson was another one. Um, and uh, and Nico Thorpe, again, uh, Saturday? I yes. think it was Saturday. Yeah. So, so there's still some moving parts. Mm-hmm. So I'll get into those, and then we're going to jump in. Okay. So the remaining uh, free agents, Dion Jordan, okay, and Sebastian Janikowski. Yeah, again, we can. I, I don't we think we're going to resign those guys. See yeah, we'll see. Uh, and uh, last minute move that happened today: the Seahawks. This is from Jason Luckenford. The Seahawks are spe- expected to have a meeting with outside linebacker Nick Perry this week. Interesting. I like that. Let's yeah do this. All right. Uh, I feel like I should I be cracking with, my knuckles. I think with the I think with the loss part, let's start there. Yeah, let's, uh, any, let's go any, with anytime the bad. you you lose Earl Thomas, a hall a future Hall of Famer, a guy who still has a lot of productive years. Mm-hmm. I, I say a lot because from a talent standpoint, he hasn't really dropped off. He's still that guy that can roam in the middle of the field, be that enforcer, be in a major intimidation factor to opposing quarterbacks, uh, and, and make their life difficult. Um, but it's simply he's getting into his third contract. The Seahawks were not willing to pay him the contract that he wanted, and the fact that he got the amount of guaranteed money that he was able to mm-hmm. get from the Baltimore Ravens is amazing. I would say that's probably uh, as huge... close to what he wanted. Exactly, he, was he wasn't able. He wasn't able to get the uh, the yearly salary that he wanted. But the fact that you're getting that much in guarantees yep. in nine months is ridiculous, and and for him that's a huge win. Uh, so, you know, uh, happy for him. Justin Coleman, uh, you know, eventually just established himself simply as the best nickel corner in the NFL. And that price tag has just continued to climb because that position has been more and more coveted uh, with the emergence of the passing game being more and more prevalent. So that was a guy that I thought that maybe the Seahawks could keep because he was so important. And we talk about experience. You've got Bradley McDougald. And you've got Justin Coleman. That's it. And that's it. I and honestly thought they would be the first person that they, they he would, would be the first person they'd resign. Yeah, and, and his price tag was too high, yep. uh, and uh, they were willing to let that veteran presence go. Uh, and so now that leaves a huge hole uh, in your secondary. Now you move on to uh, J- uh, Sweezy. That that is that is a heartbreaker. When that happened, I couldn't believe it. One because I didn't think his his stock would be that high in terms of his market value, um, and to also lose him to a division rival that also hurts. 
But J.R. Sweezy, there was a huge market for him. He had a great year and a Pro Bowl type of year, um, and he was able to capitalize on that on that season for himself. Mike Davis, not a guy that you're going to uh, – is it going to tilt the table for you in terms of your Super Bowl run, but was a stabilizing factor, had a, a awesome year this last year, and the Chicago Bears signed him. They weren't sleeping on him. Uh, and, you know, I'm happy for him, and it'll be interesting to see if Rashad Penny and Chris Carson, Carson can up their role and, you know, fill in that 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 spot, that, that role that Mike Davis uh, then leaves for them. Uh, Shamar Stefan, not really something that tilts the table. Brett Hundley is just incredible to me just because of what we gave up for him. The fact that we traded a six-round pick for Brett Hundley for one year, mm-hmm. never saw the field, never really contributed anything to the team, and and leaves. It's nothing personal about him. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, it's tough. For it's the tough Seahawks. stuff when Seattle is heading into the draft in a month with four picks. With four picks, you could have you could have had an additional draft pick. What would have been the difference between Brett Hundley and Austin Davis? What is the difference? And right. you guys listening, you cannot tell me that Brett Hundley is that much better than Austin Davis. Coincidentally, Austin Davis now on the staff. Yeah, on the staff now. I mean, you know, hats off to him. But it's like their careers have – there's no real disparity between the two of them. And and, uh, Austin Davis had already been there a year. So now you've got an established guy going into year two who everybody already knows. He knows the system. Uh, It just – that one just befuddled me. Uh, And then Maurice Alexander – uh, wasn't a huge contributor to the secondary, but was a very good special teams player. So uh, now, you know, that one you you have to replace, but hopefully you can do that through the draft and through some undrafted players uh, that you may have. And traditionally, the Seahawks have been able to get that done. So that is the negative side. That's a loss. Now that I'm uh, thinking about it, to interject, yeah. this is I'm throwing you off and, yeah. I, and I don't feel bad. <laughs> Didn't Austin Davis break his foot in the preseason? Uh, Was that this no, year? No, no. He didn't. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, he was healthy. All right. Yep. All right, yep, you he stand corrected. You stand corrected. Yes. All right. Uh, now you look at the additions, though. I think adding Myers is a huge addition. The fact that they are putting a premium on kicker is really big, and I think that that's finally they have the right approach going after it from three years removed from releasing Steven Hauschka. Uh, you know, that that's a good one. Uh, my uh, re- Signing Upati to replace J.R. Sweezy, uh, to me, that's a good thing that you're able to find a comp to J.R. Sweezy, a big physical guy that can uh, be a road grader, uh, can be a great player. But again, the thing that concerns me is his health. He has not played a full season since 2012. That is very concerning to me. Um, we talk about the undrafted free agents kept. K.J. Wright, D.J. Fluker, Kendricks, those mm-hmm. are guys that absolutely can help keep you on track, and those were guys that you needed to keep on your roster to be able to make a legitimate run. Uh, Akeem King, I think, is a great re-signing. Uh, the fact that you were able to tender him, now you've got him as a nickel corner, hopefully. Uh, George Fant is your swing tackle that can play both. Uh, it has a great role for your offense, and Quentin Jefferson just adds depth and stability and then bringing back Nico Thorpe is a huge deal for this team to add uh, or to bring stability to your special teams. He's your leader. He's your your special teams co-captain. Um, that's a that's a big deal. So they've they've put themselves back into a position where they're at zero. They haven't really lost a ton, but now in the draft they need to take care of business. It's a good state of the union. That is. I liked it. State through, of the Seahawks union. Whew, I feel ah. like I can take a deep breath. Wow. Now. 
All right. Coming up next, we're going to get into what I think is one of the biggest debates coming out of March Madness. It has nothing to do with a game. Oh. Interesting. Mm. That's next on Seattle Sports at Night. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night, 710 ESPN Seattle. I'm Stacey Rost. He's Jake Heaps. Don't forget, we're going to end our show with Ask Us Anything, one of my favorite segments, maybe my favorite segment. You can ask us anything you want. I've loved the questions that are coming in. That's the Coors Light text line, 710-710. They've been awesome, you guys. Um, All right, but we are going to get into something. I mean, the debate's certainly been fun. I don't know if the moment was fun uh, (laughs) for the people involved, but it has sparked quite a debate. Uh, And that's uh, Michigan State head coach Tom Izzo. So the biggest news coming out of the first round of March Madness was, was actually a conversation I would call it a conversation. A conversation? It's a conversation <laughs> Tom Izzo had with freshman forward Aaron Henry. Um, so so this is essentially two clips that were debated. I think most of the issue that people had came with the second. The first, uh, Aaron Henry walking off uh, the court is confronted by Izzo, who ex- has a very heated exchange, very upset, clearly angry at Aaron Henry. Uh, later, uh, the guys are all huddling. Um, and Tom Izzo kind of kind of jumps up like he's kind of getting fired up uh, and is, uh, I would say, I mean, I can't think of another word except for restrained. I don't think he would have done anything to Aaron Henry, but yeah. he, he is he's he very, held back. He by very his much got up, lunged at him there was to some get threatening, in his face. Yes, yes, there was threatening body language. So unsurprisingly, Izzo, who is notoriously a little fiery as a coach, was asked about yelling at Aaron Henry after the game. Did not back down. This is what he had to say. I get a kick out of you guys. Get after somebody because you're trying to hold them accountable. I don't know what kind of business you're in, but I'll tell you what, if I was the head of a newspaper and you didn't do your job, you'd be held accountable. That's the way it is. There's been some interesting debates coming out of this. Ray Roberts uh, was on with Bob Graz and Tom. Uh, he said he wouldn't let a coach talk to him like this and uh, brought up a point about Izzo's staff potentially taking cues and, and just how this style of coaching really isn't effective for everyone. I've had two coaches yell at me like that, and both times I met him in their office and said, you know what, if you want to make this man-to-man, we can. But if you want to coach me, coach me. Then we've got the other side of the spectrum, Jake. <laughs> Some people are totally fine with this. Yes. And one of those people is Scott Van Pelt, who says people don't like being held hot. accountable. People seem to have a real issue when they're held accountable or if others are too harshly. We're so concerned with if anyone has had their feelings hurt that we lose sight of this fact. Life has a scoreboard. The world will be difficult. And we do nobody any favors when we coddle them to the point that they never hear criticism or hear a harsh word or have to face any adversity. Was it a problem? Wow. Uh I mean, is it, it is it wrong for Izzo to do this? Is this a, is this a problem in in college coaching? I, I think that it is a problem in terms of the fact that I think that this style of coaching is probably the most prominent style of coaching. Now, there is a difference to me the degree and the moment and the circumstances. Those are the things that we are not privy to. The mm-hmm. relationships. Those are things that we just don't see behind closed doors. And in one moment, 
This is where the Twitter social media world has changed the conversation. In one moment, in in two exchanges that we see from Tom Izzo, who is a coach that has a very strong reputation. Yeah, his personality is something that's just kind of known. Yes, it is known. And also you see a lot of college basketball coaches getting fiery with their players and going up and down the court at the referees and the whole deal. Um, but Tom Izzo also is very well respected and loved by his players and former players. Uh, and so in one snapshot, we see this exchange and immediately people call for Tom Izzo. Mm-hmm. And this is an example of what is wrong in coaching. I don't have a problem with a coach holding a player accountable, yelling at them, even getting in their face. What I do have a problem with is the constant aggressive nature in that. So when you see Izzo get face-to-face, clenching his fists, when you see him lunge towards the player, that is extremely excessive. That is not soft uh, in terms of me saying that, that that's not the right approach. You can yell at me all day. As long as you don't come at me in a threatening manner, I'm fine. I've been taught my whole life to hear the message not the way it is portrayed. And and so I think that there's better styles and like what Ray was talking about uh, is saying, hey, you don't need to show me up in front of everybody. I know and I'm coachable enough to tell me if there's things that I'm doing wrong, tell me I'm doing things wrong. But also then tell me how to correct it. Don't just yell at me, show me up in front of my teammates, in front of the entire nation, millions of people, right, to prove a point. Come and teach me. And that's the better way to respond for me. Every player is different. Yeah. Every no, player is different. Yep. No, it's a good point. And I you know what is just a bummer about this conversation is I I feel so passionately uh about these kinds of conversations. We've talked about coaching styles in the NFL before. Um anytime these conversations get to just kind of the root of sports, whether it's why people are in it, uh what makes players go or what builds those relationships. Um and also I've always gotten into conversations about the NCAA and March Madness and and why I think this also became a debate. What I'll say is you don't have to text it in and critique me on the text line. I already know that I have not been a football player. And the number one thing I feel like I've heard in this conversation um, or I've seen directed at people who are not former players is, well, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. You just don't understand. It's the culture. You don't you don't you don't get it. Well, I have heard players speak out about not liking certain styles and and not being super comfortable with it. DJ Fluker in an interview with 710 ESPN um, talked about kind of respecting or responding to different coaching styles and some coaching styles not working for him. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be an echo chamber, but it it is like what you said. There are styles that work differently for different players. Yeah. Um, You know, Aaron Henry wasn't drafted to MSU. He chose to go there. Um, I know that when you want to be on a national stage, you can't just go to any school. You you do have to think carefully about that, and it may not be a program that you 100% uh, believe in or want to be at. But mm-hmm. but for the most part, I mean, you know, you knew what you were getting into, and his players did defend him. My thing is, this isn't necessarily a conversation to me, just in response to a Scott Van Pell argument. This isn't me being soft, and the conversation about aggression isn't one being soft. I would never want someone doing that to me. I've never responded to it. If I had a child who was playing, I, I'm not cool with that. 
It's just not productive. But outside of that, the debate isn't whether or not players are soft and they can't be held accountable. The debate to me is the reason that this is talked about at all, which is that players aren't being paid. And when um, it, I'm I have opinions about that, but I'm just saying this is why to me it's debated is it's well, your argument, Tom Izzo, is going to be that if if you were at my workplace, then you could yell at me and my boss mm-hmm. could yell at me, which, first of all, no, <laughs> this, yeah. your boss doesn't come in and start screaming at you. Um, but because outside of that, that, because then that is reported to HR. HR violation. Yeah. I mean, there is a hostile work environment. And that's where I think this debate stems from is that yeah. college sports in particular, because in the NFL, you can get yelled at like it's that. Tricky territory. But at some point, a player who is making more money than you. Yep is going to step up and say, no, you are not going to talk to me that way. Or And there's going to be some disconnect. And guess what? It, unless you're the head coach, that coach is going to be gone yep. because you need that player who's making more money than you be happy and be productive. Uh, in college sports, they don't have that luxury, that same power. There's a power imbalance. And, that yes, is- and you have a ton of authority. So with that, these college coaches are – they have the biggest responsibility, one, to coach these coach these kids up and make them tremendous players, the best that they can possibly be, and two, also to shape them into great young men. And the one thing that I've heard about Tom Izzo is that uh, just doing my research on this particular topic is he is extremely hard on these kids, extremely hard from everything, mm-hmm. and that is no secret. But also every single player for the most part has walked away saying, this guy has changed my life for the better. He taught me so much. And because of him, I now am better in the workplace and also as a player if I've can, if they've continued to move on at to, to the NBA. Um, and so I think tr- Tom Izzo's track record has earned some respect. But at the same time, you look at the trend. Is this the trend that you want to continue to see? I don't think so. I think there's a better way to handle it. I think there's a better way to talk and, and have a d- disciplinary attitude to you than not having threatening body language. Even yelling, Tom Izzo, to me, took it to the the highest degree Yeah, it possible. was borderline. It was, it was, it was borderline. definitely borderline, and those are the types of things that are unnecessary. Yelling, getting a butt-chewing, that happens in sports. But taking it to where Tom Izzo did, I think that's one where you cause for you know question and concern. Right. Speaking of getting fired up, We've got some Pac-12 news. Well, oh, it's a report. If you want some Tom Izzo reaction, <laughs> listen, let's go. Listen, this is a Tom Izzo style reaction from Jake. Uh, this is a story I'm really interested in. Uh, this hasn't been confirmed, but uh, that's why it's part of Big If True. We're going to talk about the impact next on Seattle Sports at Night. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. Thanks for joining us. It's a weekday. You're up late. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. We do. Uh, Stacy Rost here with Jake Heaps. Uh, you know, Jake, mm-hmm. I've got something you're not going to be happy about. Okay. Um, but thankfully for me, I think I know what's coming. My favorite Jake is angry Jake. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. huh? It is. And I don't know if it's, I'm like a kind of trollish with things or I just like reactions, but this, this had you fired up when we were talking about it. And at the same time, it's something that I don't think 
any, not any of us, the general us, mm-hmm. it's hard to understand some of this stuff yeah. that I'm going to get into. Um, but once you do and you start unraveling it, mm-hmm. man, it it gets pretty messy. Yeah. I mean, I came rolling in today, you know, happy and feeling good about things and, you know, came in talking with you yep. and then all of a sudden you brought up this topic. It. You brought up this topic and I just could not believe this. And happy I, Monday. And I sat there and said, there's no way that this is true. There's no way because if this is true, this is incredible. If this is true, this is big. It's big. It's big if true. This can't be happening. Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious. Tonight's Big If True comes from the sports business journals John Orend and Michael Smith who have a report that the Pac-12 turned down an offer from ESPN to distribute the Pac-12 networks in exchange for rights extension. So that sounds kind of complicated, and honestly it is, but I'll just quickly break it down. So in exchange for extending their rights deal to ESPN, which would have gone through the 2030s or or well into the 2030s, ESPN would have distributed the Pac-12 games. It's similar to their deal with the SEC network. They're still the SEC network, but they've got that partnership with ESPN, and ESPN uh, has some of those rights. So this is from Awful Announcing. On the surface, this offer from ESPN looked like a great lifeline to bail out the Pac-12 and their struggling networks, but the Pac-12 is, again, betting on itself when the next round of rights negotiations comes up. With their current TV rights deal with Fox and ESPN ending in about five years, the Pac-12 is hopeful that within the next five years, digital outlets will join traditional TV networks and create a bidding war for their next rights deal. Uh, as an, uh, another mention, uh, this was noted in that same article that it probably would have gotten Pac-12 on direct TV, which remains the biggest complaint for a lot of people that you just can't see these. So so when the Pac-12 networks uh, were first set up and Larry Scott headed that, uh, essentially this is the same idea. They were once again approached with the idea that, uh, you know, if you scratch our back, if you extend some of those rights, we can we can help expand your outreach. Your outreach is limited. You guys are losing money. You guys are in trouble. And all uh-huh. of this is true. All makes sense. It was part of an explosive report that came out uh, earlier this year. Um but I think it was the L.A. Times. But um, this, again, is the Pac-12 saying, nope, we're sticking with our idea. We know what we're doing. We want to control our product and our brand. We want the rights to our network and our video so that we can uh, recoup 100% of those profits. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure this is the right move. Jake, tell me why this is a big deal. This is hard for me to just fathom. Uh, when you told me this initially, I didn't quite understand. I, I diving into it, what does this do for the Pac-12 yeah. networks and all this kind of stuff? And then when you you know you educated me on the situation, I thought the Pac-12 and Larry Scott just simply continue to amaze in how wrong they are in some of the decisions yeah. that they are making. What on earth do you think? you have in the Pac-12 network? What are you thinking that has shown you that the Pac-12 network in four to five years from now is going to be able to cash in and there are going to be people clamoring to obtain the rights and pay big time top dollar to your conference 
for your network. That's the thing. This isn't the I use the comparison of the SEC network. This is not the SEC network where people will people would pay a streaming service to watch Alabama football. Um, but they're taking that same approach. They're taking an approach of, well, we're a Power Five conference, and and why wouldn't people watch our product? Yeah, we're the we're the conference of champions. We're we're this and that, yep. and and the, you know to put it in perspective here, the the difference between them is, look, the SEC. In their conference, they are making six hundred and fifty million dollars. The Pac twelve, five hundred and nine. That's a big difference. It's a huge difference. <laughs> and you know, you talk about the average fan as well. The average fan in the SEC is willing to go out of their way and pay money to watch their teams. It's just the reality of it. They yeah. are more passionate. They are passionate, crazy, avid fans. If you don't believe me, go down there and watch a game. Experience it for yourself. Yeah, go to the Iron Bowl. Like it, any it is of incredible. These go to Tennessee. The right. University of Tennessee. It doesn't have to be Bama. They are average right now. When is the last time that they have really, truly been good? It's been a while. But they still sell that thing out, 100,000 people. And that team is the biggest, bigger than life in Knoxville, Tennessee. The average middle road of the team, you look at you look at the University of Washington. They are playing great football right mm-hmm. now, have a great team, have a great head coach. The culture and the standard is high. How many times did they sell out last year? Right? I mean, it right. just you're you're looking at that and going, okay, there's a huge difference in here. So now as the Pac twelve and as Larry Scott and the Chancellors and the Presidents, they think that the, the route that they're going on, they have that same avid fan. They just simply do not. And ESPN is coming out and trying to give your network more exposure, give your conference more exposure, which is only a good thing. And eventually, when you put a great product out there, it's going to boost the the reputation. That's the thing. It's it, cyclical. Yes, it's going to bo- boost the reputation and it's going to boost the revenue. And... Instead, you're worried about containing 100% of the profits because Larry Scott wants all the credit. This is about Larry Scott, in my opinion. And this move is to make sure that Larry Scott gets all of the credit for the success of the Pac-12 network. The other problem here, and I think this was very well articulated by the Mercury News, uh, is if you want to blame a person, yeah, everybody is clamoring for Larry Scott's head, and I am right there with you. But if you really want to go after somebody, you really want to make a statement, you got to blame the system. Who put Larry Scott there in the first place? It is the presidents and the chancellors of the universities. And if you want change to be made, that's where you have to go. You have to complain to them and show them that you're upset with what's going on. Because right now, the presidents and the uh, the presidents and chancellors of the universities. This is their guy. This is who they want. Mm-hmm. And the reason why this got established was because back in 2009, the economy was down. And the fact that you had a TV deal that was extremely undervalued and you had a major lack of revenue compared to your peers in the Big Ten and the SEC. And you saw Larry Scott, a guy who was able to have great success and generate a ton of revenue from women's tennis. And they saw this guy and said, we need him to bring in all this money from a TV revenue standpoint. So they gave all of the keys 
to Larry Scott. They gave him the power, and they t- and he cut out the athletic directors. Typically, in terms of who you answer to, the athletic directors have a ton of say in your conference. In the Pac-12, they'd have little to none. Larry Scott answers only to the presidents and the chancellors. And the and the big problem with this is at first it, it sounded great. He you know, the Pac twelve network, we're gonna have well, our own. Well he came network. in with a sterling reputation. Yes. And we added Utah, added Colorado, mm-hmm. and for a hot second, almost Texas. So this guy Can you seemed, imagine? Oh my gosh. Like it, it, for a second, this guy was amazing. And now he has his own media company. He's now the chief executive, all of that. But the problem is, and what has come to fruition, is the fact that you have a guy who knows nothing, absolutely nothing, about college sports. No background. And the fact that he has no background in this, it has not wanted any input from athletic directors, what it's done is it has marginalized this conference. And it has crippled this conference to where this isn't a couple schools issue, this is a conference issue. And you have a guy at the very top making decisions based off the fact that this TV deal, this TV network, is going to be the saving grace of your conference. And the problem is, Larry Scott and the presidents and the chancellors, is you forget that it's about the heartbeat of your conference, which is the teams, which is the fans, which is the product that you place out on the field. And right now, that's at the bottom of the Power 5 schools. And if you want change... And anybody who's listening, please reach out to your presidents and chancellors because the way that this thing is going and the way this is driven, again, with this big if true, if this statement is true and ESPN did offer this opportunity to the Pac-12 network and and the Pac-12 and they turned it down, another missed opportunity and another uh, decision that simply just continues to befuddle me. It is befuddling. I. I, I just have no other words but that. Yeah, no it it was a it was a good summation of the entire thing, Jake. And uh, honestly, it's it's fitting that it comes at the end of our second hour when we start out with talking about UW football, UW basketball, the state of these programs, where they can go, how they can compete on a national level. It really does always come back to the Pac-12 and your conference and 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 what it can or can't do for you, how far you can really go. Uh, we're gonna lighten the mood. <laughs> We're yeah. gonna jump into some questions with Ask Us Anything. It's your last chance to text. Well, no, it's your not your last chance. You can text us anytime, but preferably in the next ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the course life text line seven ten seven ten with Ask Us Anything. That's coming up next on Seattle Sports at Night. Live from the Alaska Airline Studio. This is Seattle Sports at Night tonight with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on seven ten ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. Okay, this time it legitimately is my favorite segment. I've said that. I've said that all show. Yeah, you've gone back and forth. I've been excited about let's this show honest. sheet. There's a lot going on let's, this weekend. Let's be honest, Stacey. I know, I know. But this time I mean it. I, you know, Mondays, you come out, you got a lot of news on Mondays. <laughs> but at the end, it comes down to ask us anything. Uh, you can text the Coors Light text line at 710-710 with any of your questions. I've already got some really good ones uh, that came in earlier this hour. Uh, I'm going to start out with this one because I'm I'm very eager to hear yours. Okay. From the 206, what's your best comeback, wittiest comeback that you're still proud of? <sighs> okay. Well, I'm not... Like the quickest thinker, yeah. like that. Like I, I'm just not. I'm not very saying because I agree with you. I'm witty. just kind of hyping you up. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> uh, you, 
You're totally, you're, you're bringing Jake, me down. I here. totally you're, get it. You're bringing me down. I agree. <laughs> Uh, and, and for, as a quarterback, for me, the best thing to do, my favorite part was if you had somebody that was coming after you all game long or talking trash to you was just simply being nice to him, you know, uh, <laughs> the Andrew Luck hey, approach. Yeah. Great sack. Great hit, man. Great job. <laughs> and then when you throw a touchdown, you just kind of walk by him and you look at him and you stare at him for a second and then you just walk off. So there, there wasn't really any verbal words that were being said. Uh-huh. It was just kind of that, that satisfaction that you knew that they knew. That you knew that they were frustrated, <laughs> you know. Uh, but my my least wittiest comeback ever, and the thing that I am forever embarrassed of Ooh. is These are so my, my receiver uh, Gino Simone. This was my soft no no my junior year, and uh, we were in the Tacoma Dome semifinals and uh, number one team in the state. And this other team was just this corner in particular was just jawing at my at my buddy Gino the whole game. Gino's the top receiver in the state. This guy's got something to prove and it eventually gets really chippy to the point where they're kind of really jawing each other, shoving each other a little bit. And I yell over there I'm nervous. Hey, cut it out. <laughs> Gino, get back in here. Just play the game. <laughs> And it was it was the most embarrassing thing I I've like ever baby done. Voice, Jake. Hey, hey, cut it out! You guys cut it out oh, over there. God, it's, I'm squeamish. Just play. No, Just play the game. No. Can't we? And be that friends? is something. That is something. Gino you should holds over me every Does he time. Yell that we at see, you? Oh hey, my gosh! Get on over here. Yeah, it, like that was something. That's bad. Every time I would see him for the next couple of years, it would be that, and it was just <laughs> like, dude, you are so like. It was thinking about. I was like, "You're so soft, Jake. Like, what is wrong with you? Hey, this, this is football. I want you to know I'm going to oh, cut up that audio. And I yelled it and so loud. I'm so excited. I might adjust the volume a little bit. Hey, <laughs> get over here, guys. You know what? Mine isn't one that I that I even said, but really? I love this story. The first time I heard it, I wait. This isn't died. even you. No, but please listen because you're going to like it. <laughs> okay. You're going to like it. And this is this is also conflict resolution. This was also breaking up a fight. <laughs> But it was a bit more successful. Um, so this was uh, my younger sister uh, was out with her friends. And uh, it was that time of the night where you you hit up maybe a burrito spot. Okay. Everyone's, you know, everyone's been partying. Yeah. And uh, and the night's kind of dwindling down and, and people are hungry and they're, uh, they're ready to go home or, or they're all having a good time. And so her and uh, a few of her friends, and, and some of them are, are guys, they were all in line. And uh, I like ahead of them um, was another group that was with them, so another group of their friends. And they cut a, a girl. I, I don't know how it happened, but they maybe they didn't see her or whatever. They cut her. Okay. Some people, they've been... People are feeling a, a little, you know, inebriated. Yeah, they're they're not in the. It is what it is. You're ready to order mind. six burritos. It's fine. Um, so her boyfriend comes in there, and he just looks like a someone that you just roll your eyes. Like, uh, think of like Ed Hardy camo T-shirt that's like bedazzled, like gelled hair. Just just looks like a dude that's like ready to fight, but also you're just like, bro. Really? The camo bedazzled shirt? Come on, man. So he comes up and and he starts jawing with this guy, starts fighting with this guy. He's like defending his girlfriend like, hey, we were in line. Back off, man. So he's like, 
he's like ready to fight. Oh, like he gosh. wants to go. And and everyone in the in the taco place starts turning and everyone's kind of watching like this is about to be a fight. I'm sure cell phones were being pulled out. <clears throat> so then my sister's friend, this guy Amit, he walks up and he interjects himself. And this guy's like a clown. He's hilarious. Yeah. He interjects himself. He turns to face this dude and he goes, Hey, hey, man, you know, before we kick this off, I just want to say thank you for your service. And he extends his hand to shake his hand. And that's what you get for wearing a camo Ed Hardy shirt that's bedazzled. Everyone in the taco place starts laughing. The fight is over. It's done. You've you've been clowned. You're done. You you can't do anything after that. No, you can't. Thank you for your service. Oh, that is a fantastic comeback. That's great. It doesn't, it's not you. But I can applaud that. That is a great. That's a great. I like story that story. Right I like telling it like I've been there. Shout out to Amit. Uh, this is from the two five three. What is your most useless skill? Okay, I have this. So on my right hand, my what do you call this finger? Uh, ring finger. Your ring finger. Okay, <laughs> but is it your ring finger on your right hand? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. the same. Jake, I, I'm sorry. I no, just, it's fine. I've got my left okay. hand's got my wedding band on it. For sure. My right hand. Still your so ring still finger. Your ring still finger. your ring okay. finger. Okay. So with my ring finger, I can like ball my hand up to a fist and leave my ring finger out and it just ah! wiggles like this. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so disgusting. It's, like it's weird. I can shake it <sighs> and it's it just. Like that? It, <laughs> Do you not have bones? No, I have bones. It just I wish is, you guys could see this. It's really loose. I know this and isn't so, the best radio, but I want you guys to know it's. It's it's a skill, but, but with this Stacy, okay. I can I can use it as like a whip oh. and hit people with it. Okay, and so it leaves like a huge um, mark on them. Like it, you know, it it leaves a welt. Horrible. So if anybody messes with me, I can just you know for fun, I can just you know kind of thwack them with it. Have you, you done know? that to anyone from Seven Ten? Uh, no, I have not. That would okay. be a strange thing to it do. Would. I, I would. I would not recommend it for the workplace. I, I think someone would look at, like, they would be so shocked and confused. Like, one, why did you hurt me? And two, was that with your ring what finger? Like, what was with, that? What, did all the bones leave from your hand? Yes. My, my nephews know not to mess with me because they'll, they'll get the... They'll get the smack from the ring finger. That is both a skill and very useless. Yes. Yes, it is. Mine, I uh, I don't have anything. I used to do a good Shakira impression when she was really big, where it would be like, uh-huh. you know how she does like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to be pretty good at it. If I'm karaokeing, it okay. sounds better. Yes. I kill it. And the same thing with Cher. They kind of <laughs> have the same voice. <laughs> I need to hear that. I need to... Need to take it out. Need to take the sports night crew out for some karaoke. Yes, let's go. Uh, From the 206, what mountain do you die on? I take this as like what argument. It doesn't matter how petty it is, how stupid Mm. it is, how small it is. Anytime this gets brought up, you won't let it go. Okay. It can be, I'm mistaking this as personal. It could be something where you're like, nope, me and my wife forever, like, like, we we ride or die with this show, or it can be uh, mm-hmm. like a sports take. I'm trying to think of mine. Yeah, I, gosh, that's a hard question. What mountain will I die on? There are, I mean, there are certain topics that come up that I will absolutely stick my guns to, but yeah. I just can't think of one right now. Like mine is uh, you're lame. I don't know if this is like a mountain that I'll die on. It's just the first thing that came to my mind because yeah. I get made fun of it for the, it the most. I don't know why. I stand for Meghan Markle so hard because to be completely honest, and this is a moment that please don't let this get out of the office or or just let's keep this between the two of us okay. privately. Yes, yes. I don't know that I even like her. 
What? No, she's she's I what? I love this her just blows in my, my brain. Mind. But sometimes when I watch videos of her, I think like I want to know the real Megan. You know? <laughs> yes. And you just have to be so You don't feel like you know her, huh? Yeah, for all the the football fans that are tuning in, I know this is the content you came here for, but I I just I want to know the real Megan and I feel like she's so uh, kind of put together yes. sometimes that I it doesn't feel genuine at the same time wow. and I don't know anything about her guys for, at the same time I is, will ride or die if you say anything about Meghan Markle you're yes, done you're like, over you're cut out of you're her cut life. out like, I I am afraid to even bring up her name because I just don't want to dare you I don't want to say it wrong because then Stacy won't do the show with you me. don't want to say Meghan Merkel yeah like I you know or even say it in the wrong tone but I just don't. I don't know anything about her, and I don't know like would I like her. I don't know. This is mind blowing, but it doesn't matter. It's a it's it's a stupid mountain that I'll die on. I don't know why, but I will defend <laughs> why her. You're so passionate about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. It's like my wife with bachelor couples. Like oh, as she, long people as people will say they're fake, and she's like, no, yes. they're in love. Yes. If yeah. anybody goes after them, like it's on. Is there a couple that it she specifically feels strongly about? Um. Not one in particular, but like any of them, any of them that have coupled up. Yep, that's all she cares about. She doesn't care about if she likes them or not as individuals or even together. But as long as they're together, it it gives validity to the show that it actually works. And the moment they break up, it's like the biggest thing ever to her. So you know what? Yeah. I I kind of get that. Yeah, she gets real passionate about that. Yeah, stuff. Jaden Tanner, it's real. We yeah. have a kid. They're in love. They're in love. Last one from the four two five. This is an easy question for me. American bacon or Canadian bacon? Okay, where do you stand on this? American it's- bacon. It's not even close. <laughs> Thank you. I, I was, know. I was Woo! so nervous. We can still do the show. Because you're talking about Megan, Mark- Megan Markle. And uh, if oh, you thought said, I'd go kind of across the pond, or I would go like a like a British? Yeah. I'd go Canadian. Yes, if you time. would go Canadian bacon, like we literally no. our friendships over. I'm uh, not disrespectful. <laughs> Thank you. I'm no, so glad. I'm not going to disrespect my body by eating Canadian bacon. Good. Thank I mean, you. Oh, no, I'll still eat it. Yeah. I but mean, American bacon is significantly better. Way, way better. I mean, gosh. And, you know, a thick, good cut of yeah. bacon. Yeah. That is good for the soul. I don't care what people say about it. If it's I don't not care good what for it your does body, to me, it's worth it. Absolutely. And to me, it is good for your body because it feeds your soul. And if your soul's happy, then you know what? It'll manifest itself eventually. You know what? Well said, Jake. Thank you. What a way to end the show. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on <laughs> this Monday. I'll be here all week. Jake will be here all week. Literally, we will be here again tomorrow. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Thank you for joining us. That's Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN Seattle.